They say the angels marvel at why you love us so much. But people down here say you don't love us enough. They say the atheists look at the heavens and don't believe that you're there. If I'm being honest, I don't feel worthy to take a breath of your air. I don't contemplate what angels and men think about you. I wish I could be like you, but I don't know how to. You are everything that I'm not. God, I'm trying my best to follow you with everything that I've got. But sometimes in this world of fury, it's hard to focus. I'm trying to keep my eyes on the God of David, of Daniel, and Moses. You rain down fire on Sodom and your hands split the oceans. You welcome home sinners with arms always open. You created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. You created me in your image and you changed my life in a second. You formed the stars with your breath and the waters with your spirit. I'm drawn to the sound of your melody whenever I hear it. Your choir is the wind and your voice is the thunder. You gave grace to my sins and lifted the noise I was under. You light up the sky with lightning bolts of your power. Your majesty stretches above the clouds. My God is a tower. Your throne is somewhere out past this earthbound gravity. I was born with a curse of depravity that was passed to me. But you didn't expect me to be perfect. That's something you never asked of me. It took the blood of your son to rescue me from this tragedy. The world might think I'm crazy and my critics might laugh at me. I just hope one day they meet the God who died for them too. They know not what they do, just followers of Satan who lied to them too. So they can mock and sneer and call the things of my God laughable. But you go beyond the limits of the finite natural. You reach past the infinite and into eternity. And like the fire of Nebuchadnezzar, you walk into the flames and you burn for me. And I'm trying to be who you want me to be. I look past the heavens and I see the outline of your majesty. Heavy is your call on my life and the torch that you pass to me. I'm just trying to be faithful to you, God, my King. Glory to the Most High. Someday I'll join with the angels and sing. But for now, my mind can't comprehend your glory, can it? I won't understand you fully until I'm off this planet. And if I'm being honest, I look forward to leaving this place. I'm an astronaut born to be with you down here. I'm misplaced. Up there, I'm at home in glory. Down here, I'm disgraced. But if the world hates me, I have to remember it hated you first. You offer living water at the well to be traded for thirst. You walked on water and you turned water into wine. You calmed the storms and you took the sins that were mine. Someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Reality will set in for the sinner like a gun to the head. You don't have to be from Moscow to play Russian roulette. Every day people risk life after death. But you offer a way out for flawed people like me. Sons and daughters of the king is what you've called people to be. You are fashioning my hands for battle and my life for war. For the first time I can see my sights restored. And out of these ashes I will rise to tell others about you. And you will lift me up and speak through me when I don't know how to so use me God and speak through my weakness with everything in me I'll follow you Jesus and someday I'll fall to the ground when we meet I'll live this life in hopes of placing crowns at your feet and I can picture you there with angels in flight until then you've called me to run into the night and into the darkness I'll continue to go and into your word I'll continue to grow you are worthy of every demon that comes against me in your arms I am strong in your river you rinse me so take my life and use me Lord your faith is my shield your truth is my sword That was pretty powerful, don't you agree? Amen. Hey, don't you don't you agree? Hey, welcome to Exit 15. Glad you guys are here. And uh, tonight we're jumping into the second part of our series, uh, Straight Facts. But before we jump in, I want to take a moment and to share some announcements. You're like, wait a minute, Steve. We have never heard announcements since we started Exit 15 back because you're like, Steve. There's nothing else going on. And 
and you're mostly right. But uh, I want to share with you a couple of things that are going on in the life of the ministry that you need to know about. One, uh, tonight we were supposed to have our junior fellowship. Have y'all seen the banner for the seniors right over there? Uh, that's pretty cool. They decorated that, made that last week. Uh, Reagan used his own hands uh, to make that banner. It was pretty epic. Um, but next week, we had to cancel the, the junior fellowship. But next Wednesday night, it looks like the weather's going to be good. So juniors, you want to show up a little bit early, come a little bit early. We'll be meeting out at what I call the park, which is like literally right here off to the side of the gym. We're going to be meeting out there. Make sure you come and be a part of that, okay? Also, I want to share with you some exciting news. A uh, couple of things that we have been working towards over the past couple of weeks because we've been thinking about you, we've been thinking about our leaders, and we've been thinking about our parents and our families that are connected to our ministry. And so what we're uh, proposing and hoping to do beginning on October the 7th, which is in two Wednesday nights from now, we're going to start extending our time of exit 15, about 15, 20 minutes. And so we're going to extend our time. We'll still start at 630. We'll go to about 745. But as a part of that night, we're going to incorporate small groups. We're going to incorporate that moment where you get to sit around with your friends, get mostly spaced out knee to knee, right? <laughs> Close with your friends. You'll have your life group leaders will be involved in that. And so we're really excited. And we think this would be a great option for many of you that really hate Zoom. Okay? Uh, some of you are like, I don't like this. This is not fun. Um, and so that would actually, your gathering as a small group on Wednesday night would take the place of your Zoom. Uh, and we give you an opportunity as a, as a life group, as a small group, to get together, to connect with one another, connect with your life group leader, and ultimately connect with God and all the things that he's doing in your heart and your life, and you get to share it with your friends. And so it's another opportunity to be social, uh, which every one of you I know would love to do. So just know that that's coming on October the 7th. Your life group leader is going to be reaching out to you probably in the next uh, couple of days, if not week, and just give you some more details and a little more invite, okay? The last thing that I have for you the last thing is, I think it's time. I think it's time for you to start bringing some friends. I think it's time to start opening the doors and allowing those people that are in our lives that need to be a part of Exit 15. They need to hear the gospel. They need to be encouraged each and every day. We can't necessarily, we're not always around um, students anymore. I mean, our campus ministry has kind of been shrunk just a little bit. And so like our team is not on campus as much as we used to, but you are, and you're there. And we want to encourage you to start bringing friends to hear the gospel, bringing friends to Exit 15. Let's fill this room. There's no reason why we can't fill this room. There's still more space. You're like, Steve, where can we go? Oh, I gotta, we can put about 20, 25 chairs back there on the back wall. We can come over here if we need to. We can jam them all. I'll even put them up there on the, on the walking tracks up there. As, if we get people into the room, we're really, um, we think this is something that God would, uh, is challenging us to do and inviting your friends. And so I'm laying that out for y'all. Sound good? Cool? All right, that's all I have for you. You ready to jump into week two? We're, getting to talk, we're tackling a really big one tonight. We're tackling God, all right? <laughs> that is week two of straight facts. Last week, we discussed creation. We saw Genesis 1-1 in the beginning and how creation glorifies the Lord, and we are too. And it was really a strong moment for us to gather in God's Word and to see these moments of creation, how creation sings His praises and so should I. And how we need to live in awe and reverence of who He is because He formed you and knows you and created you. He is Creator God. And tonight we're going to dive into who God is. You're like, oh gosh, Steve, that's really a loaded deal. You're right. It is extremely loaded. But you know what? 
praise God that we have a book that gives us that insight to help us understand who we worship who we serve. Now, here's what I want you to do. With the person that's next to you or close to you, I want you to share. Earlier, you put in that QR code, right? You put in that who God is. I want you to share with your your partner, your friend there that's close to you, who God is to you, and give like, if you got to do this in like 25 seconds, all right? So, you know, share that, who God is to you and why. Ready, set, go. If you don't have a partner, raise your hand, find somebody, we'll get you. 25 seconds. You got 10 seconds. That was 15 seconds, actually. Now we're on 10 seconds. That's 25. Five, four, Three, two, one. Was it hard to describe God in 25 seconds? Yeah, because I think we could come up with a long list of all the things that God is to us and is to mankind. Here's the thing I want us to understand. He is not invisible. He's absolutely visible. Many of us just don't know what we're looking for. He reveals himself to us all the time. He's talking. He's moving. He's around. He's in this room. Blow your mind right there. He's He knows your heart. He knows your mind. He knows how many hairs are on the top of your head. He is present. He's not absent. And that's one thing I want you to think about as we move through this night, as we tackle this huge topic. I want you to take that reality that He is with you right now. Big, massive God of the universe who creates and holds it all in the palm of His hand is sitting in the room with you right now. He is in your heart. He's in your life, and he's actively pursuing you right now in this moment. If you truly believe that, and you truly know that the Lord, God of the universe, is sitting next to you, do you think you might act a little bit different? Do you think you might worship just a little bit different? Do you think you would just go, oh, hey, Hey, God, how are you? Don't you think you would acknowledge him? Or would you be so scared that you would hold back from engaging in a conversation with him? And so tonight, as we dive into God's word, and there's going to be a lot of scripture that's going to come at you tonight, a lot. And I tried to put it in small print all on the screen for you, all right? One of the ways that we can know who God is is by understanding the names of God. All throughout Scripture, we see the names of God listed over and over and over again. And every one of those names is a descriptor word of the character and the nature of who He is. So to discover who He is, we need to know His name. 
And so we see, I don't, I, this is by far not an exhaustive list. This is the high points of the names of God that help us to describe who He is and how He interacts with mankind. All right, here you go. Ready? In Exodus 3, He talks about the word, His name is Jehovah, meaning I am who I am. This is one of the very first moments, cool moment with Moses. Moses asks, who should I say that you are? And he, God responds in the burning bush. He says, I am who I am. Jehovah. You might want to take your phone out and take a screenshot if you want. Um, we see him as known as Elohim, which is strength and power. We see that in Genesis chapter 17. In 2 Samuel 7, we see him as Adonai, which means master and Lord. Don't we think we ought to have that idea of who God is? He is the master, the Lord, the boss of our lives. We see in Romans 8, I love this one, Abba. We see him known as Abba Father, which literally means daddy. Man, that's incredible to know that God is tender and cares for us and desires to be in relationship with us, Abba we see him as El Shaddai, which means God Almighty in Genesis 49. Jehovah Nisi, which means God our banner. He's the one that fights for us. He goes out before us. We see that in Exodus 17. In Judges 6, we see him Shalom, God of peace. God of peace, the one that calms the storms. We see in Genesis 22, Jehovah Jireh, which means God who provides. You know, as we see these names of God and how they are listed, and I encourage you to take a picture, write some of these down, and go back and read these for yourself, and you will see the character and the nature of God revealed in every one of His names. He's not absent. He's very present. And He works, and He moves, and He's involved in our lives. And we see His character right here. He's Master. He's Lord. He's Daddy. He's our banner. He's a God of peace, not a God of confusion. Man, some of us need to know God in that way. Because our lives are full of confusion right now. Our lives are full of doubt. And some of us need to recognize Him as shalom, peace. Some of us are in the battle. <laughs> some of us are in the fight of our lives. And we need Him to be Jehovah Nisi, the banner that goes out before us, the victor. The one who fights the battle for us. Some of us just need to know God as Abba, Daddy, the lover that He is, that cares for you, and He's the God you just want to crawl up in His lap and just enjoy the presence of being with Him, Abba. We see God revealed in His names. But we also see God revealed in many different stories and different characters throughout the Bible. Here's another not-so-exhaustive list, but here you go. We see some other characteristics that He is good, that He embodies perfect goodness. Psalm 119, 65 through 72. This is really small print. Take a big old zoomed-in picture of it. We see God as infinite, beyond measurement in Romans 11. In 1 John 4, which I love, we see him as love, a love so great that he gave his one and only son. We see him as a love, full of love, abounding in love. We see him in Psalm 75 as being just and righteous, holy and fair. 
We see him in 1 Chronicles 29, sovereign, a God who provides over every event and is in total control. That's not a God of chaos. He's a sovereign God. In Deuteronomy 4, we see him as being merciful. His compassion is never ending. In Psalm 139, which is one of the greatest passages of Scripture there, we see him as being omniscient and knowing all. He formed us. He knows us in our womb. He knows us. And he's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. We see that in Psalm 139. We see him as being faithful, a faithful God, one that keeps his promises. He honors his covenants. We see that in Psalm 89. In 2 Corinthians 1, he talks about being a comforter, that he's the God of all comfort. In the middle of your storm, in the middle of your grief, in the middle of all those things, he is a comforter and comes to your rescue. And then lastly, in Revelation 4, he is holy. He is, stands apart. He's absolutely unique. You know, out out of all of these characteristics and all the things that we have listed in these past two slides with really small print, the one I want us to dial on, the one I want us to really zone in on, is the last one. That God is holy. Here's the big idea. You ready? Here's the big idea. Wait, 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 before we get to the big idea. Let me read Revelation chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. If you got your Bible, go for it. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen. But a lot of times it's really good to read it in the Bible for yourself. Revelation 4, we see God as being holy. It says, And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. That's crazy to think about. He has eyes everywhere. On the outside and on the inside. And day and night, they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Can you imagine them just singing that over and 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 over again? You want me to do it again? And over again. Repeatedly they scream, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever. And get this, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and they will, get this, cast their crowns down before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and because of your will they exist and were created. When we come to grips with the holiness of God. <laughs> oh, oh, goodness, all right? <laughs> I'm getting lower because I'm starting to really think about that. How holy is he? How holy is he? He is perfect. He is without blemish, without sin. And when you become so connected with that reality that he is holy... Oh my goodness, it changes a lot of what we do and how we approach him. Oh goodness, it changes everything. And that's what I want us to come to grips with tonight. That's what I want us to really be challenged by. And here's the big idea. Here you go. Because God is holy, because God is holy, and altogether separate from and infinitely above people who are sinful, 
He deserves our reverence and obedience. That's a pretty big statement right there. Because he's holy and altogether separate and infinitely above sinful people, he desires for us to live in reverence and obedience to him. And so we're going to talk about, I'm going to dissect this statement right here. I'm going to dissect this one statement, and we're going to piece it all together, and then hopefully we'll land the plane here pretty soon, all right? One, God is holy. It's like a, a white piece of paper. Now, this piece of paper, it, I mean, yeah, it looks white, in the, but there's, there's some yellow on the back of it. Like, you can't see it. This piece of paper, as white as it is, is not holy. You know why it's not holy? One, because you could see the yellow on the, you know, the highlight. But also there's probably a speck somewhere. Yeah, probably, well, well there's a wrinkle. There, there's a crease. So this piece of paper is not holy. You're like, wait, wait a minute, there's nothing on that piece of paper. Well, you're right, there's nothing on that piece of paper. But what makes it holy is that it's without blemish, that it's perfect. That means there is no crease, there is no bleed through. It is perfectly white. Now, if you start thinking about that, and that's the characteristic of God being absolutely holy, that he can't be uh, in the presence of sin, he can't interact in that way, you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, he's perfect, and I'm not. He, he is absolutely holy, and I'm not. He's absolutely perfect. Out in the parking lot, I sinned. How in the world can I be in relationship with this holy God when he can't stand to be around sin? Oh, now you're starting to experience the great divide. Oh, now you're starting to experience that separation. You're starting to experience if God is holy and I am not, there's, God, there's a big gap right there. Are you feeling that? Are you seeing that? Which leads us to point number two. Because he is holy God is above people who are sinful. That's him. He's above people who are sinful. That's you and me. Oh, you're, just wait for the good news to come later. But just wait. Isaiah 6, 1 through 5, it's probably, or 1 through 7, is probably one of the most definitive passages in Scripture that helps us to understand this point of a holy God and sinful people. And we've probably heard, many of you who have been in church for a long, long time, you've probably heard this passage of Scripture, but you never maybe connected the dots that this is one of the most definitive passages of Scripture about this truth, that He is holy and we are not. You ready? Let's read it together. Isaiah 6, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with a train of His robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above Him, each having six wings. That's really amazing. With two of them, they covered his face. Two, they covered their feet. And two, they flew. And one called out to another, to each other, holy, holy, holy. Where have you heard that before? Revelation 4. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations, the foundations and the thresholds trembled. At the voice of him who called out while the temple was filled with smoke. And then I said, this is Isaiah speaking. Then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined. 
because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. What happened in that moment? Holy, holy, holy God, Isaiah, (laughs) I'm not holy. And how did Isaiah respond to the holiness of God? I'm sure he went right through the feet. Like, oh my gosh, no, not me, God, not me. Don't look at me. I'm not holy. And I live among a people who are not holy. I can't be in your presence. I'm not worthy to be in your presence because of your holiness. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity, your sin, is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Ladies and gentlemen, that's good news about our God. Yes, He is absolutely holy, above and infinitely above sinful people. But praise the Lord that He knows that about us and does something about it. He does something about our unholiness. And we see that in this passage, a burning coal that comes from the throne and touches the lips of Isaiah. You know what? The same thing happened on the cross when holy God sent his one and only son to die for you and me such that I can have a relationship with holy God. That Jesus' blood was poured out on the cross, covering my sin and my shame such that I can approach a holy God. Praise the Lord. Somebody give it up for Jesus. Like, really? And we see how we a holy God interacting with a sinful people, and God does something about it. He doesn't separate himself from us. He doesn't. Even though in his holiness he cannot interact, but yet he still provides a way for us to have a relationship with him. He is... I said this last week. He's not a cosmic cop just looking around the corner waiting for you to mess up. No. But rather, he engages you right where you are. He sits with you right in the middle of your sin and your sinful state. And yet, in, while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. He came and approached you. He came to you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm unworthy. In my sin, God. In mine, just me. I'm not thinking about y'all, just me. The reality that what he has done for me ought to set you on fire and humble you and lead you to the place of point number three of reverence and obedience. For what he has done for us and how he engages mankind in our sinfulness ought to stir up in us an awe, a reverence for who he is, an acknowledgement in our lives such that we would begin to walk in obedience to who he is. Why should we walk in obedience? Because think about what he has done for you. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you give your life to the one who gave his life for you? Why wouldn't you step out in obedience and get engaged in God's word each and every day? Why wouldn't you do that? 
But for many of us, we have gotten to that place in our hearts and our lives where we are pushing God off to the side. Oh God, thank you for salvation. But I got this. Deuces. I'm out. Some of us are distancing ourselves because of our sin. The sin of rebellion. The sin of apathy. The sin of forgetfulness. And you're allowing those things to distance you from God. But I want you to know that even in the midst of your sin, because of his character and his nature and his love for you, he's not going to let you sit like that for very long. Something's going to happen, and it most likely will be conviction. And in that moment of conviction, how do you respond? Do you listen to that still small voice that says, hey, yo, Steve, come back. Hey, yo, Steve, do you remember? Are you going to approach him the way that he approaches you in love, tenderness. So now what? I have two minutes. Now what? Now what do I do with this? He's a holy God. I'm sinful. And because of what he's done for me in the cross, I walk in reverence and obedience. Now what? I try to make it as simple as possible. Ready? Here's the first one. The first one is, it's not about you. Life is not about you. I'm saying that to the selfie generation. It's not about you. It never has been. And it never will be. So quit. <laughs> just stop it. <laughs> just, you know, just, just stop it, right? <laughs> Fix it. It's not about you. Who is it about? If you're a believer in Christ, who is it about? God, all of creation exists to glorify him. We learned that last week. And you know what? We are God's creation. And we need to glorify him. Our lives are a simple reflection of the gospel. Our lives to the people around us, our lives and who we and how we live are a reflection of what Christ has done in our hearts and our lives. And we have repented of our sin. We have turned and believed him as Savior. And we have received him. And we're pushing forward. We're moving forward in our relationship with the Lord in such a way that we would glorify him and let others see us do it. It's not about you. Never has been. Never will be. The next time that you take a selfie of yourself, I hope this truth rings clear in your heart. It's not about you. I'm not saying that selfies are bad. Please hear me in that. But what I'm, here, what I'm saying is your priority needs to be about Christ. It needs to be about God and not about you. Sometimes we pursue relationships to make it about us. Sometimes we pursue friendships because they make me feel good. Sometimes we pursue the latest high or the latest craze because, you know, that's what it is. It's about making me feel good. You see that? Speaking to the selfie generation, do you see that? How you begin to make it about yourself and you miss it. Number two, quit living independent of God. I... I tweet this pretty often, but this is one of those moments where quit making it about you, but also live, don't live independent of God, but rather dependent on the Lord. 
that we would trust in him completely. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but I trust in the name of the Lord our God. And we see how our transferring our trust, we make him Lord or boss of our lives. And in that, we live dependent upon him, not independent of him. God, thank you for my salvation, but I'm going to go on with my life. God, thank you so much for this, but I'm going to make it about me. Thank you so much for what you've done for me on the cross, but I'm going to make it about me, 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 me. And in that, we are independent and never dependent on the Lord. Number three, as I wrap things up, walking in obedience is a good thing. Walking in obedience is a good thing. And here's, I think our world and our culture makes it bad. I think it, they try to confuse us and lie to us and say, hey, fight the power. Be, you know, be yourself. Rebellion. I don't think that's right. And I don't think that's where God would want us to be. I mean, Jesus simply says this in John. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. You know what? It's not a mandate. You have a choice. But why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? That the Savior of the world who closed the gap of your sinfulness for you, who paid the sin debt that you could not pay, why would you not fully devote yourself to the Lord? Why would you not try to pursue Him? Get in His Word each and every day. Why would you not acknowledge Him in the things and the blessings that He gives you week in and week out? Now is the time for some of us to make a decision. You've heard the Word. You've heard the application. But now it's time to do business with the Lord. Now it's time for all of us, me included, me included. Good night. I'm not perfect. Where are you at with the Lord? Are you walking in rebellion? Do you have a no, I don't care attitude toward the Lord? Where are you at? Have you become so calloused in your heart and in your mind toward the things of God that you don't desire those things anymore? Maybe for many of you, you're passionately pursuing the Lord. You're getting after it. And you're loving where you are in your relationship with the Lord. I would encourage you to keep going, to keep moving forward. But I think a lot of us in this room, some of us, maybe one or two of us, don't know Him at all. You have... You don't even know if you're saved or not. you got so many doubts and so many questions right now. You, you don't know where you're at. Do I know him? Is he real to me? Has he revealed himself? Like some of you have crazy doubts and crazy questions about how God is interacting with you in this moment. And maybe tonight's the night where you begin to start asking questions. You start getting curious about who God is in your heart and your life, and maybe you come to the place where you surrender completely to Him as Lord and Savior of your life. But I think some of us in this room need to repent. Literally here in just a second, we're going to turn our chair into altar, and it really is a moment 
where you recognize your sinfulness before a holy God and it's time to confess and to repent of some unconfessed sin in your heart and life. And it's time to do business with him right now.